Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Hey, welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. This is episode 77 with Vicki Suter. And today we talk about team building. So Vicki has a lot of experience building teams, growing teams, and also coaching and helping companies uh, do the same for them. And so we get to dive into process and system, how to create a unique environment that actually attracts people uh, to you so that they want to work for you. And then we talk about a couple of cool tips, one where she actually forms partnerships with her employees or her team members. And it's a nice spin on the whole job description thing. So I think you're going to really enjoy this episode and uh, sit back and relax. Episode 77 with Vicki Suter. Hey, Vicki, glad to have you on the show today. Hey, Spencer, thanks. It's so nice to be here. I'm delighted to be talking with you. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to get into kind of the nitty gritty on team building and uh, and all that fun stuff. But before we get to that, I always think it's helpful. Like, how did you get into the construction space and kind of this world that we're living in? Well, it's kind of an interesting way that I got here. I um, I was in banking and finance. I was a um, controller um, um, of a national uh, training company. And at the time when I was doing that, I was married to a painting contractor. And I saw the challenges and the struggles that he had. And, you know, I worked with him and helped him with his business. And then when I had our son in 1990, I went, um, I'm gonna, I, I decided I was going to stop working for somebody else 70 hours a week. Sure. <laughs> I was going to start my own business. And uh, work for yourself 70 hours, right? There you go. I was just about to say, and then I, yeah. and I got to work for myself 70 hours a week. Yeah. Nice. Uh, so I, um, I realized that there was something that I had to contribute given my finance background to the construction industry. And I knew that there was a place where I could contribute there. And my first client was a design build client. And I just found that I really loved the work and I loved working with that, um, with contractors and, uh, I, I, there's a complexity to it, but there's a simplicity to it at the same time that when you know how to tap into that, uh, that really intrigued me. And so I, that is just the vertical market that I ended up staying with. And I ended up working with and do work with everything from remodelers to subcontractors, to builders, to, um, interior designers. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like that's a common thread. People, a lot of people stumble into this industry or, you know, it finds us or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I know one of the things that you're super passionate about, especially when thinking about these types of businesses is team building. And I know when I first got into business for myself, team and culture and some of these things kind of felt a little bit like fluffy or pie in the sky or kind of these, these ideas was like, how important is this? But obviously over the years, I've, I've discovered the importance of that. But why is this something that's so critical? Well, um, if I were to like, kind of like give you a little bit more about that story. Um, sure. When I worked for this international training company, I struggled myself as a manager and a leader. I really had a hard time 
Um, I, I thought that the way to get people to do things was manipulation and uh, <laughs> cajoling and um, threatening. And I was a horrible manager, really, as I look back at it. And when I first started hiring the first person in my practice, I found that it started to look a lot like it had looked before. And the training company that I came from was a transformational training company. So I knew enough at that point to go, if you have the same problem over and over again, you need to look at what the common denominator is. And I saw that it was me. And it was around that time that I started to, I was reading um, uh, Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. Mm, and sure. I started reading books like by people like Stephen Covey and started to like, the wheels started to turn for me about, oh, uh, like how, what am I doing as a leader and a manager to set people up to win with me? Have I set up the structure and the systems clearly? So it was when I, um, when I, especially in reading Stephen Covey stuff and studying and listening to him that I went, you know, uh, there's this whole other thing about human beings and about what makes us tick that's that I need to understand. And it's not about using people like tools, but it's more about how do you tap into people's greatest potential and how do you empower people? Because fundamentally as human beings, our desire is to have a sense of belonging, mattering and contribution. And that, you know, during that time, it really started me on this whole journey of learning more about how does the human brain work? I became master certified in um, neuro-linguistic programming, which is a little bit about neuroscience. And um, it was based on neuroscience. And I started to really begin to understand that when we can tap into people's greatest potential and really understand what motivates and drives people, that we don't have to manipulate and cajole them, that what we actually can do is to help them rise up to their greatest level of contribution, value, belonging, and mattering. And, and so that has become, and I realized that that was one of the keys that when I could help my clients unlock that, that was the key to being able to grow your business to the next level. That was the key to being able to spend less time working in your business, that that was the key to building great teams and having great people want to come work for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so for those listening, you know, they go, okay, that sounds awesome. You know, maybe making that shift. How do you go about, you know, actually uncovering what motivates or inspires people uh, versus? Yeah, it sounds a little fluffy, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, which I think a lot, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, just have to have sit down and like have like little like meditation sessions with my team. No, not at all. Um, I'm a very uh, pragmatic person, and I'm a very much a systems thinker. And um, one of the things that I realized at the time was okay. Often it, what I had, and I'll, I'll use an example of, uh, of Beth, the woman who worked for me when I first started my business, when I, these lights started to go on for me, is that when she started working for me, what I gave her was a task list of tasks that she needed to do, which, you know, when I ask people, do they have job descriptions? Or if you look online at job descriptions, 99% of the time, what you get is task lists. What, what they are not is holding people accountable and giving them accountability and responsibility for a result. And so I started to look at Beth and how I had set her up to be more like a helper than to somebody who actually could take ownership. And the distinction was I needed to write what I now call position agreements instead of job descriptions because I hold them like they're agreements as opposed to just 
this thing that I gave you and said, here's what you're supposed to do. So it completely starts to transform that relationship from A, you're no longer a helper, you're accountable for a result. And B, this is our agreement and our contract with each other. And this is what we're holding each other accountable to. So now it starts to shift things at two different levels. One, I'm now I'm holding people as accountable for a result, not just at the tasks to get to the result. And two, that now I'm in partnership with them about their ownership and their accountability for this agreement that we have. And I literally have people sign them that um, starts to shift that relationship from a helper to a partner, to somebody who's about the commitment and the agreement that we have to produce these results. And that's like, the, so that's one of the first steps is to, to, to start to make that distinction. And that's a very practical thing that people can do to start to look at, well, there's all these tasks. Like if so in the, I'll give you an example in construction of a project manager. So if I'm talking about a project manager, I'm talking about um, their primary job is on time, on budget, as promised. And so I might have a job description right now that says things like you have to do client meetings and you have to update schedules and you have to um, stay in front of what's going on with the team. And um, you have like, so there might be all these tasks that the person has to do. But instead, if that job description or that position agreement says you're responsible for updating schedules every two weeks and going over that with the client and your manager or the owner, whoever. Um, you're responsible for doing cost to complete every 30 days so that you know where a project is headed well in advance of the end result ever showing up. Um, you're responsible for making sure that your team does cost, uh, does two-week look-aheads every by the end of the day every Thursday on all the projects that you're working on. Now what I've started to do is that's a completely different position agreement. Now I have started to do what I call set smart goals. So they're specific, there's clear accountability, they're realistic, they're time-driven. And so, um, S-M-A-R-T, yeah, so they're specific, they're measurable, sorry. Um, They're realistic, there's clear accountability, they're realistic, and they're time-driven. So when they have all those elements, now what you have is you have some, now what you've given your team is you've given them the ability to control what they do. And you've given them the ability to have a clear sense of contribution, belonging, and mattering because you've given them the keys to the kingdom. You've you've shown them how to win the game with you. And again, I'm going to say this is a first step, right? So the first step is get clear about what what constitutes being successful in that job and codify it in a way that it's specific, it's measurable, there's clear accountability, it's realistic, and it's time-driven. If you use that approach when you're writing position agreements with people, now you've given them the opportunity to rise up to owning and managing that result. And that's the key to clear account, uh, you know, that ability to be able to have a sense of belonging, mattering, and contribution, because now they're not just a helper in doing tasks, now they have accountability for a result. And, and I'm going to say I've done this with, um, uh, with clients with every position in their company. So this isn't just about leadership. It's also about the guy who's your laborer working on your project or, you know, your AP clerk. 
Yeah, and I like it because, it, like you said, it focuses on the the outcome or the result, and not necessarily all the little specific details of like getting there. And sure, you may have some systems and some best practices and things that you expect in terms of specific tasks. But in general, as long as you get that result, do you really care? You know how it how you get there. And so they always say, you know, if you have more autonomy, then you feel more fulfilled. And so this is a great way to kind of bridge some of that gap too, is giving your team more uh, control over how they get to the end results as long as you're getting there. And so, yeah, I really like that. Um, I wanna shift gears a little bit because when it comes to the topic of team building, I, I always flash back to kind of the early years of building my team. And I remember one of the things that went through my head and I would imagine this happens to a lot of small business owners is, okay, maybe you're a, a team of one, right? It's just you and you go to make that first hire you know, uh, the question was always, you know, why would somebody want to follow me or why would somebody want to join my cause or, you know, my company and what I'm doing? Um, because you always have this tendency, I feel like, to compare yourself to other companies that are further along or, you know, whatever it may be, they're bigger and they have more team members, more benefits, more things they can provide. So, um, do you have any advice or, and or maybe some tips for people that are in those like very early stages of building their team and how can you foster kind of a unique environment or kind of get people on board with what you're trying to do? I absolutely do. It's funny because I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday who just started his business about a year ago. And um, there's two things I would say. One is um, create systems and processes so that there is a consistency in how things are done. There's nothing, um, so first of all, it's gonna do two things. One is it's gonna build the foundation on which your company can actually grow because then it's your way and your standards of doing things as opposed to whatever, whatever somebody brings to the table. Not like sure. you don't want people's input and contribution because you do, right? But the more you have a consistent set of practices around what you do, and, and systems that are, are documented, then the more somebody can actually walk into your organization and feel like, oh, okay, there's a process. For, let's say it's change orders, right? So there's a way that we do change orders that serves a whole bunch of different purposes. It serves the purpose of being able to stay in clean communication with our client, to keep them apprised of the impact of what's going to happen on their job. Um, it keeps us in front of um, making sure that we're not losing money on change order work. Uh, it creates a system of rigor about how we manage to the budget within a project, right? So there's lots of different benefits. And, and honestly, it's like it, for all the contractors listening, there should be a really strongly managed change order process in your business because that's one of the places contractors lose a lot of money. So like by having a consistent set of practices around that and managing to it consistently, like holding your team accountable to it, being in communication about it, having that process documented, making sure that you hold that standard. There's a couple different things that happen then. One is that person who's working for you knows and can count on, well, that's the way that we do it. And that they, what you're doing is you're setting a standard that's a higher standard than, did I remember it? Was it, you know, um, it was whatever the flavor of the week is. Those words keep coming to mind because I know sometimes we think that um, it's like whatever the, the next shiny object is that we learned about or, you know, the next great 
like, oh, aha, we're going to do this. And so you implement all these things and then they last for about a week. And then you forget that you implemented and your team goes, you know, every time your team hears, and we've all worked in these environments, right? Where like your Mm -hmm. team goes, yeah, a week from now, he's going to forget about it. So we're just going to, we'll just wait and see, not actually going to do it. And then if he doesn't see anything, right, that we like, well, you know, it's going to go away. So so choose, you know, and it's not like, I'm not talking about dozens of things. Over time, it will be dozens of things. But as you're starting out, put a stake in the ground about what are the most critical ways that you're going to be in business that are going to produce, um, a co- because you're, you're in contracting, which is the whole game of contracting is on time, on budget, as promised. So a good change order process is going to make sure that that happens, right? So I would orient certain processes that they're in procedures and standards that you have around that. There's a couple of things that happen when you do that is that A, you have have your clients, B, you end up not losing money on change orders, let's say, and C, when you create that kind of environment where there's that rigor with the people that you work with, people are starved for it. People love to work for companies that have their stuff together. Really, like, Um, those companies, those are the companies that have people calling them when other people are are having a hard time finding employees. Those companies are the ones that have a reputation of they got their act together. They're well run. I know what I can count on. They can feel a sense of trust in being in your business and working with you. So, so that would be the first thing. And, And there's one other thing that I would add to all of that is keep your agreements. Do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. If you make that a standard in your business, and it's hard, those are easy words to say. But like when we say we're going to show up at eight o'clock in the morning for a meeting, we're there at eight o'clock, whether it's with my client or my team. When we say that we're going to have a bid out by Tuesday at noon, it's out by Tuesday at noon. And that doesn't mean one o'clock. Now, stuff happens in life. But if you renegotiate agreements before they're broken agreements, it's a way that you start to have integrity in your words. And uh, again, I'll say some of the most successful companies I work with are ones that I, uh, the most successful companies I know of are ones who operate with integrity about keeping their word. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And in thinking about kind of what you're saying, if you have these documented processes and you do what you say you're going to do, that that can start to attract people to you. Uh, I guess, how do you, um, how do you do that as you're going to make that first hire, second or third hire, and you're still a small team uh, and somebody's kind of looking from the outside in? I know right now, like the, the labor challenge is, is uh, large, I guess, and people are struggling to find good help. And how do you showcase that that's the type of company you are, um, you know, prior to somebody actually like interviewing and saying, yeah, let's, I'm on board with this, this company. I want to join you guys. Um, So there's a couple of things I would say. One is what I notice is that um, clients that I work with that in this environment where it's hard to find people have people calling them looking for a job. It's usually because their team is talking about what a great company it is and other subcontractors and other general contractors and other um, trades are talking about what a great company it is to work for and their clients. So 
when you build that kind of environment, people talk about it. People are like, yeah, like, you know, wow, uh, Joe's company is amazing. Uh, so that's one way to do it. The other thing that um, I would say is that when you interview people, you are prepared and that you come, you know, you, you reflect in that interview process, that rigor and that discipline. So you come to the conversation with not just, I'm going to talk about my company for an hour, but I come prepared with interview questions that I want to know about you. And I want to make sure it's a right fit, like that you bring your cultural conversation to the party when you're interviewing with people. And maybe, you know, you have a, it's like you wouldn't go to a sales conversation without leaving, ideally, a packet behind that says, let me tell you a little bit about our company, about our process. Let me give you some referrals. Let me, um, you know, let me tell you about how we manage change orders. Let me tell you about how we manage schedule, like something like that. So it's a little different, obviously, if it's an employee, but you might have like a one sheet of, you know, here's some information about our company and here's what we believe and here's how we think about our relationship and our partnership with you. So I would say those two things, um, you uh, get people, when you build a culture where it's a great people place to work, other people will talk about you. Um, but when you come up in an interview, um, be prepared and ask a good questions that are open-ended questions and make sure that you approach the conversation. And I say this to interviewees all the time, this is a two-way conversation. I'm super interested in knowing if this is a right fit for this company, but I'm also super interested in knowing if this is a right fit for you. And so I don't. I want to just get clear before we begin this conversation. This isn't about you. You um, passing some test. This is really about you and I having a conversation that's an exploration and a discovery about that. That's a different approach. And come prepared with interview questions already established, and then have something to leave them with. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, I think a lot of times what I've discovered is a lot of companies too, they'll maybe just go through one interview and they'll they'll make a hire. And so if you have, you know, maybe a series of interviews, even if it's it's just you and you're doing all the interviewing and they're going to meet with you two or three times, you know, that can start to set you apart and that person sees, wow, they really care about the type of person that they're bringing on. Um, Absolutely. Start to, start to get more invested. So, and I like the idea of using the leave behind. It's, it's typically, you see that in sales, but it's a great, you know, little tip uh, because that immediately separates you because nobody does that. Right? Nobody does you know? that. And, yeah. and you're in a sales environment when it comes to employees these days, right? Because totally. more demand than there is supply. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. An interesting statistic, um, uh, a headhunter said to me not long ago, she goes, 80% of the people who come back to me after an interview tell me that the, um, the company, uh, the person I was interviewing with spoke, just talked way more than I did and barely asked me any questions. Crazy. And I just thought, wow, like there's your, like right there is your indicator about why you end up hiring people who are not a right fit do you have a process in place where by you ask really good questions yeah yeah i mean we we've kind of expanded our hiring process over the years too and because we realize it's one of the most difficult things and you you really want to get to know that person before you bring them on i mean they go people go through five to seven interviews here you know before they come on board and uh, not saying that you have to do five to seven, but wow. to your point, the point of having them in the interview is to ask them questions. And sure, you want to 
be able to sell your company a little bit, but part of how you do that, I think, is asking good questions anyway. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> um, well, yeah, and open ended questions. So, not mm -hmm. yes, no questions, but open ended questions like, tell me about how. If I'm, if I'm interviewing, let's say a foreman, tell me, how do you plan ahead on a project? Totally. Yeah. See what happens. <laughs> right. That's a very open-ended question, but it's going to, it's going to get you quality information about how does that person think and how do they plan and, you know, how do they structure their time and so on and so forth, as opposed to, you know, do you plan ahead on your projects? Those are yeah. two completely different questions. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Calling all builders and remodelers. It's that time of year. We're gathering data for our state of home builder and state of remodeler marketing reports. This will be the fourth annual state of builder marketing report and the second annual state of remodeler marketing report. Now in exchange for five minutes of your time, we're giving away a $200 gift card for the winner, but everyone is getting some sweet bonuses after the completion of the survey. And we're also making it super easy to participate this year. So just text survey to 33777 and we'll send you the survey link right away. Again, we're doing a $200 prize for the winner and everyone that completes the survey gets some bonuses. So just text survey to 33777 and we'll send you the link. Um, so let's, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's uh, move into the future and say, you know, we've been doing a good job of working on hiring and training good people. And, and now we've got kind of this dream team. I know you kind of talk about building a dream team. What can it look like if you start to implement these things and you really, you know, hire on people where you have that partnership mentality, like you talked about, and you're setting good expectations and outcomes and you have systems in place and training and you're attracting the type of people you want, you know, what does that start to look like? Um, well, let me just say that um, what what all of us want when we're when we start our business, and even as you know in leadership positions, what we want is be able to make more money, have more time in their day in our day, and to be able to love what we do again. And doing all of this is your most direct path to being able to have all of that. So when you build great team, you know, when you hire and attract A players, when you build a culture where great people want to, the kind of environment where great people want to work, because you have that discipline within your company, it's the keys to the kingdom. It's, there's your freedom right there. Um, not long ago, so I have this client that when I first started working with them, they were, it was two partners. They were working 50, 60 hours a week. Um, neither of them ever had more than a two-week vacation at a time, nor were able to take off even that much time during any one year. Um, they could never be away from the business at the same time, and they were not making the kind of money that they wanted to make. And they had a crew of like 20 people. And we put this process in place with them of first identifying, okay, so how can we raise the tide? How can we have people take more ownership and accountability? Um, how can we put position agreements in place with your team uh, and get really clear about what's the standards and create certain standards and processes within your business and start to set goals and get clear about where what's the trajectory that you and they want to be on. Um, fast forward 
last year, they both were gone at the same time. Um, major breakdown happened on a project and the, they, neither of them had to come back to, to the you know business to take care of it. Their superintendent totally handled the problem, um, made the client happy and all was well. Um, they both took off over three weeks last year. Again, one of them was an overlapping week, not a problem at all within their business. They're making more money than they've ever made in their entire 15 years before that in their business. And one of the owners said to me not long ago, she goes, I love what I do more than I ever have in my business. And I'm like, that's what it should be. Like that's, yeah. you know, that was why we created, like started out with the great American dream to start with, which is I want to go hang my own shingle, you know, or I want to, you know, be a leader and I want to, uh, I want to rise up within an organization so that I can have more choices. Yeah. How that great sense. is that? Yeah. And, and it's interesting too, because the way you get back, like, I like how you phrase it, get back to loving what you do. It's, it seems like you start out loving what you do and that's why you get into your own business. You say, great, I love doing this. And then you realize very quickly as you grow, you're getting into things that maybe you didn't know that you needed to do, or you don't love, which could be managing a team and people and building systems and processes and all these things that come along with it. And then suddenly that's where you're spending all your time. You're not actually doing the thing that you love. And so um, I like how you phrased it because uh, when you get to that spot where you have more time, then you can actually focus on the things that you love. So brings us full circle. Um, yeah. And, and I just want to add one other thing sure. about that, Spencer, too, because the thing that people struggle with is that we are not taught leadership skills. We're not taught how to... Um, how to grow a team. And so, uh, you know, that, that often is uh, the biggest struggle that so many new business owners have. And it's the part that you end up hating because it's like, I don't know what I don't know. Sure. And so when you can start to unlock those keys for yourself and start to see how to, how to create, you know, the, the systems, the structure, the um, tools around managing with people and tap into that whole thing of people's sense of wanting to belong, matter, make a contribution by doing, you know, putting those systems in place. Now you've just risen the tide to a whole different level of, you know, how you're working with people and, and you have the access to getting away from that thing that frustrates us so much. Yeah, totally. So uh, I got a few more questions for you, but, you know, we talked a lot about team and leadership. What's something that everyone should know that maybe we haven't touched on so far? Um, I, I guess the other thing is um, follow through and feedback. So once you've set the structure and you've said, okay, so here's, you know, the position agreement that we put in place, you agree to, I agree to, these are the, you know, this is the criteria for success. You need to make sure that you have a structure in place whereby you and they are managing and communicating about that and being consistent about it. So if you say, you know, you're going to have schedules done every week, you're meeting about schedules every week. You're not just going, oh, did you do that? Or hoping and wishing and abdicating it to that person. So our job as leaders is to be in consistent communication and have a structure whereby we do that and do it consistently. So I'd say that's number one, super important. 
to be able to um, build and grow a team is to have that discipline with your team internally. And then uh, just in treating it just like a customer client, a customer meeting or a sales meeting, right? You wouldn't just blow it off. Don't blow off your team meetings either. And then I would say the second thing is feedback. It was people are starved for feedback. They want to know how they're doing. So whether that's making sure that it's in those meetings, but also doing regular reviews every six months or a year at the very furthest out, but also if there's something that's not working, have the conversation, go address it right now, build that level of communication and honesty within your within your organization. That's another really key thing. All the subversive stuff that happens within organizations that becomes like an infectious disease for all the things that don't get communicated can destroy a business. So stay keeping it clean. And like, if there's an elephant in the room, go address it. You know, if there's a problem with a team member, go have the conversation. And it doesn't mean, here's the problem. It's like, we're so conflict adverse sometimes. And we have a tendency to not want to have what I call the hard conversations where we're being honest with someone. But what ends up happening is people don't have those conversations. And then we stew and stew and stew. And then one day it's like, I can't take it anymore and like blow up, right? Now you've just had a much harder conversation than if you'd have just gone, like somebody just, a story comes to mind. Last week, somebody said to me, you know, um, uh, this person that's working for me was like so great when they started and they were like just on top of it all the time. And then, you know, the last month they've been like so off their game. And I said, so have you gone and talked to him? And he goes, no, I don't, I don't know what to say. And I go, just go say that. Like, just meet it where it is. You don't have to make somebody wrong to have an honest and open conversation called hey, this just really, like, what's going on? This, like, you know, you seem to be off your game or this isn't working or we have a continually broken agreement with each other about not doing what we say we're going to do. Um, you know, something's got something's to gotta give. What's going on? So just like that ability to be in open, honest conversation and have that continual feedback loop, I would say, is the other thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Um, and, yeah, it's it's those little things that if you just – have the conversation in the moment you realize, oh, they were having a rough day or something was going on in their personal lives. And, you know, but then it suddenly becomes something that, like you said, it grows and grows and then it blows up later. So right, um, yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. And I've got uh, our last segment of the show coming up before we get to that. How can people connect with you or learn more about what you do and how you help? Um, you could go to my website at suitorbusinessbuilders.com. It's S-U-I-T-E-R businessbuilders.com. Cool. And on there is information about me and the courses I offer and information about my book and all that. Awesome. And I know you've also got a webinar coming up that talks about team building and kind of does a deeper dive into some of the things we've talked about today. Can you tell people a little bit more about what the webinar entails and, and how to sign up for that? Sure. Um, so it, the uh, webinar is how do you get to team your team to take ownership? And as you just said, Spencer, I do a little bit of a deeper dive in that and talk about what are some of the tools that you can implement with your team uh, to apply some of the things that we've been talking about today. And people can get that if you go to my website and go to suitorbusinessbuilders.com forward slash ownership. There's a link on there for the webinar. The webinar is actually next week uh, 
so they can get the date and the time and all that in there. And then um, there should also be a, there's also will be a link on the front page of the website. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And we'll make sure we add that as well to the show notes. So thanks. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Now we're going to get into our segment of the show. We call it the fast five. So I'm going to hit you with five rapid fire questions and okay. uh, just say whatever comes to mind. So first one, uh, kind of a easy law, but what's your favorite business book and why? Ooh, um, my favorite business book is five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. And it's my favorite book because he talks about the thing that I was just talking about a minute ago is how do you build a culture where there's honesty, there's um, uh, a deep sense of commitment to uh, not being um, not being subversive in a team. And really, it's written as a parable. I love the way that he writes this book. And he just talks about the story of this team and how they went from being very dysfunctional with each other to really building this deep level of trust and um, and, and in the process, not everybody made it, but what it, it gives us some great examples and he's got great stuff in the book about how do you actually start to shift that culture within your organization of being one where great people want to work and that is open and honest and a trusting environment. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great one. And uh, next question would be, who is the most inspirational person in your life? Huh. I'm going to try to do this without crying. Um, I would say it, it's my mom. Um, uh, she's no longer with me, um, but she was uh, super courageous. And um, she, uh, she, she was just an amazing woman and super courageous and super uh, willing to go beyond her level of comfort in life in order to support her family. That's awesome. Very cool. And uh, favorite, or if you could have one uh, superpower, what would that be? <laughs> superpower. Um, gosh, I, um, I, uh, superpower. I guess it would be to be able to um, be in, to be able to instantly be in different places, like immediately. Awesome. Yeah. So maybe teleporting or something like that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Tell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good, that one is actually the one that I would choose as well. I think is it? Know, a, lot, a lot of people pick flying, but uh, I think, you know, teleporting, you can kind of accomplish yeah, flying if you really like, want. So. Call me from far away and I'm like, oh, I just want to be there and give them a hug. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. So next question is describe yourself in three words. Uh, I would say, um, soft, kind, and strong. Awesome. And last question is, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would that be? I would say uh, be authentic. Um, find your authentic voice. Um, the people that you work with, whether it's clients or it's your employees, it's like at a fundamental level, we all want the same thing. And when we can drop down into um, our own humanity, when we're communicating with somebody else, uh, and, and that honesty thing, um, that we can get a lot more done with people. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Well, Vicki, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, this was Thank awesome. You. I love talking about team building. So This was great, Spencer. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You did a great job. So thanks. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Vicki. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Vicki. And as always, I know you're on the go. And so let's pull out some good actionable takeaways from today's conversation. Uh, the first one was uh, reflecting back to that uh, talking about job uh, descriptions and identifying the outcomes or the results that you're looking for. So if you don't have a job description, a uh, user framework that we talked about today, where you're kind of writing out the goals and the outcomes and what you're expecting from that role, not necessarily a task list. And I think that was really, really good advice and something that you can take away and work on immediately. So nailing down uh, descriptions with outcomes and results for every position within your company. And even if you, uh, you wear the hats for all those positions, uh, now is still a good time to document those things because when you go to hire for that and delegate that hat that you're wearing, then you've already got that in place. The second takeaway was actually uh, coming up and developing a good set of interview questions. So uh, reflecting back to that comment about, you know, 80% of these uh, companies, they just talk the whole time about their company. And what you're really trying to do in that interview process is get a good, good grasp on who this person is, why they would be a good fit for the company, and then also making sure that you're a good fit for them. And you really do that by just drilling in and asking lots and lots of questions. So here at Builder Funnel, we take people through about five to seven interviews before they come on board. Um, and we have a slew of questions anywhere from culture fit, uh, core values, um, personality type questions, uh, but then also skills and uh, things that are gonna be relevant to their job. So you can kind of break up your questions into those different categories. and. The final thing I would add is I really like that idea of having a company takeaway sheet for potential new hires and people joining the team, something that you can leave them with after that first interview. And so that's something that I took away and that I'm going to work on as well for our company. Um, but yeah, I think those are some great takeaways for you guys. And again, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. And we will see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio. Yeah.